Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Erin. And this is Beyond the Ranch. Hey, Erin, what do you call a cow after she's given birth? Don't look at my piece of paper. You're cheating. Decaffeinated. A cheater. When I've heard cheater, that Cheater, cheater, bullbeater. Erin <laughs> and Mike bring you into their world. It's not just chickens and the Angus herd. So take off your boots, relax, and go beyond the ranch. I, I've heard that one a million times. It's only on like a million memes on the internet. Okay, fine. <laughs> She's <right>. decaffeinated. <laughs> so we've got, uh, we actually have a sponsor today, which okay. is good. Uh, first, first sponsor that we've had for the podcast uh, up until this point. And today's show is brought to you by Mutex, uh, the all-new five-cup crosher-utter bra for full-figured cows. We don't have a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? Fine. Nobody, nobody, you're, five you're cups? Just, well, yeah, for f- five-cup Cross your utter bra for full-figured cows. I thought they had four teats. They do have four. I screwed that up. <laughs> right? There's four yeah. lobes or what? Is, I don't know what they call them. We don't milk cows. <laughs> okay, four. fine. So if anybody milks cows, now you know that I really don't hang out around cows udders too much. Five. <laughs> if I ever use that again, I've got to change that. So I was like, I was like, excited that we had a sponsor, and then like, why didn't you tell me we had a sponsor? And then, oh, we don't have a sponsor. It is a sponsor. It's Mutex. We can have all the bras we want. They have agreed to to supply us with bras for all the cows. There's a few that need them. There is a few. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually in a really good mood this morning. We after 13 day, 14 days of waiting for calf number two to make her her or his appearance. Did you not check? Uh, it, it's a boy. Oh, okay. It's a boy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and now you just see, you just ruined my, my surprise. You know, there. you got to like communicate these things with me sooner so I know what's going on. <laughs> I need to have like hand signals <laughs> or something going on. Uh, anyway, we have had our, our next calf. Calf number two was born uh, early this morning. Uh, her mom was... Uh, act a little funky yesterday. I'm pretty sure that it was the same one that we saw during the live stream that was uh, hanging out you don't really by know. itself. But I'm not really sure. I know it was 150 <laughs> something, uh, but she, her, her, his mom is 152. Uh, I didn't write it down last night when I ran out and checked her, but uh, had had the calf this morning. It was very cold. I don't even know what the temperature was. Did you look at a temperature uh, this morning? Uh, hold by, hold by, <laughs> stand by. <laughs> hold by. <laughs> Anyway, uh, while Aaron looks up what the temperature was this it's morning, still... I don't know what you're what you're doing right now because you, do you can you go back and see what the temperature was? Well, this it can morning? tell me what the low temperature was on the weather app. Oh, yeah. okay, I'm with you. Okay, I thought you were checking what it is now, and then you were going to extrapolate somehow or have some sort of. Do you not know how our formula. weather station app works? I really don't have time to look at it that well, much. Well, it's not like you've never looked at it. Um, it's currently 24 degrees. It's very sunny out though. So after the blizzard of two days, it's, uh, the sunshine is nice. The high tunnels actually opened up mm-hmm. because it's warm and rainy in the high tunnel. Um, our low today was 16. Okay. So it was cold this morning. Yeah. And when I went out and checked last night, it was, it was raining and kind of sleeting a little bit. So the calf was born. Um, mom did get it up and dried it off pretty well, but the calf still had a lot of ice and stuff yeah. on it. So well, we ended up bringing it in this morning and putting it in the calf warmer for a couple hours to, uh, and the wind is chilly, like the if yeah. wind chills eleven degrees. Yeah, so it was it was nice and cold, but uh, now they are reunited. It kind of slowed down and our podcast so recording nice. a little bit this morning. Re- reunited, and it feels so nice. No, it's reunited, and it feels so good. 
Whatever. See? <laughs> I'm playing the game of pooping or calving. <laughs> Quit looking out the window. <laughs> but I, it does feel good to to have another calf out there, uh, number one. This calf, big calf, and uh, we'll, we'll learn about this uh, on this weekend's video, but uh, 88 pounds is what he weighed. Uh, more than twice, probably. Pretty close more than twice the, the how much number one weighed, I'm yeah. guessing, because I didn't weigh number one. But um, this one is is a big calf. He's a big boy, and I'm sure mom is, is was ready for a little break. So yeah. when I took him away, she really didn't fight me too much. She was kind of okay with it. She also she... had him in the middle of the herd. Yes. Yeah, well, they are locked in. So. Well, I know, but still there's plenty of room to, like, move around. Like, do you think she had it in the middle of the herd, or do you think everyone came over and looked? Oh, no, she had it in the middle of the herd. She had it right where they were like, where, when I checked. Like, so. where they all bedded down for the night? Yeah, like, she's she was like... just like, oh, I'll just push this out and go back to sleep. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I am happy that we, after after a little bit of a break, now we get our second calf. Once you get that second calf, then you'll have the third, the fourth, the fifth, yeah. and it just kind of seems it will probably So still... I wouldn't be surprised if we have another calf today, actually. Yeah. It seems like it takes a few days to kind of kick into high gear, but I would say, oh gosh, uh, it's t it takes so long between one and two. I would say, uh, hopefully, typically, by in a week, you'll be going... Like more. crazy, yeah. yeah. So, and hopefully the weather cooperates, and there's a whole bunch of different factors. There's some that moisture need to play in, in the, the forecast, but not like as much as this. What I need it to do is dry out a little bit That's now. So I, need, wet. I need the the ground to dry out a little bit. But uh, they are today. They will stop. They're locked in um, right now in the in what we call the triangle pasture in the lot. And uh, today I'll open that up. Actually, it's open now. One of the gates is open that they could leave if they wanted to. And they broke a fence, so I got to go fix a fence of today. Of course they did. I don't know if somebody was rubbing on the fence and snapped a wire or something. Fences are just suggestions. Yeah, the top two <laughs> wires got snapped on one on one fence. So I uh, got to fix that today. And um, you better fix it because someday you might need that fence to bring in a cow and I she'll be like, whoop, I'll just step right over this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a, a required fence right now, but yeah, if you have to bring in a cow, it's definitely a fence that has to be there. Yeah. The, the fences on this, you know, the triangle pasture and the lot have to be, uh, you have to take care of those this time of the year because when you you need them, you will need them. Yeah, so exactly. We've I mean, it would be several... nice if all these fences that are really close to home were solid fences, just because, you know, they are they do get some high pressure. Even when we're bringing in like um, for branding or sorting mm -hmm. or anything like that. I mean, for for barbed wire fences, they get a lot of pressure put on them. Well, and especially right in the in the ends. They actually just kind of need to be redone. Like yeah. wire needs to be restrung, and it's just kind of a uh... new posts kind of big thing. You can replace quite a few posts, but it's kind of just time to like string some wire, but probably not going to happen in probably all reality. <laughs> no. They could also be a little taller. You think? But that'd be new posts. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, well, because they take a lot of pressure in the wintertime from snow and they sag, and I don't, maybe they don't need to be taller. I don't really know much about barbed wire fence. But it seems, how many times have we, uh, between the lot and the hay field, if you lose one wire, they literally just like step over it. Right. Cause not, it's, yeah. And it's kind of on that hill, which makes it... They just walk over. Like I've seen them just walk over the fence. Some of the cows are bigger than others too. I was I was noticing that today when I was out checking cows this morning. Um, there's some littler cows. Like some of the the younger cows, they just seem so much smaller than the big girls. Uh, you remember those big cows that we had when Gilbert was still alive? The oh, big yeah. giant ones that stood like 18 feet yeah, tall. Yeah, like forehead cow. Remember forehead cow? She had oh, a yeah. white stripe across like her forehead. Um, she was huge. And the, the they also have a lot of like Hereford in them, which mm -hmm. I don't know if those, 
Hereford's not typically like a big breed, though. I don't know what they had in them, but something made them. There was probably 10 that were just big cows. Um, there's really none of those left, but there is some smaller cows. So now you look at, uh, you know, some of the, the three-year-olds or four-year-olds. They're just smaller. You yeah. Know, they're just not, they, don't, they haven't filled out quite yet. Yeah. So I don't know when they, I don't know when a cow reaches full, full size. I should ask Cody. That would have I been mean, a good question for Cody on the live stream. I mean, they night. obviously reach birthing maturity by two. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. So they do grow though. They I continue mean, to grow. Mostly around. <laughs> as, as do we. Um, so today on, on today's podcast, uh, we decided that, well, I decided Erin really didn't have any, any say in this because she said, what are we going to do the podcast about? And I said, I don't know. I'll figure something out. And then I just came to you with an idea and I don't know if you think it's crazy yeah, or not, but uh, a few interesting things have popped up in the news here uh, last couple of days uh, that are ag related. So I thought I'd take a look at those. And then just for kicks and grins, um, some weird news stories over the past few years, some of them even older than that, um, but uh, that have to do with agriculture that are just, just kind of mind boggling. And even, uh, even, you know, people that make the laws and people that report the stories and stuff like that just really don't have a clue what's going on. So and there's a couple of them that are, are really out there. So um, we're going to take a look at those before we're done for the day. But the first uh, big story actually came out, Erin's uh, getting up and leaving. Uh, I don't know where she's going. The first big story actually came out yesterday uh, from CNBC, the uh, Census of Agriculture, which is released every, you know how often it's released? I'm not really sure. I don't know. How often it's released, but. Uh, how is it? I, I don't know. I mean, because you're supposed to fill out your agriculture survey every year. Mm -hmm. USDA does a survey. Yeah, but they're always behind. So it was released on April 11th, which was yesterday. And, but they're still reporting for 2017. Oh. So they're two years behind or a year behind, really, yeah. I guess. But the two, so the 2017 Census of Agriculture was released Thursday, yesterday, and shows the amount of total land devoted to agricultural use. Uh, it continues to decline, obviously. We knew that was happening mm -hmm. in the U.S. Uh, and the number of farms is declining as well. So not only, you know, uh, Farmland. Farm farmland farm is basically disappearing. Uh, according to the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were two, uh, a little bit over two million farms and ranches in the U.S. Is is Lincoln like gazing at you? Oh, Lincoln, you have no pants on. Oh my gosh, this has now become an R-rated <laughs> podcast. He's got his coat on. So He's got he his can't. coat on and no pants on. Uh, what's what's going on, dude? any of this out or not? Probably not. <laughs> all Just right. Leave it all let's, in. let's go downstairs and I'll help you. All right. We're going to take a quick break while we run to the bathroom. <laughs> Anyway, according to the uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 2 million farms and ranches in the U.S. in 2017. That's down 3% from 2012. I don't know why they just can't do it year to year. <laughs> maybe this is like, maybe this is every five years this thing comes out or maybe. something. Um, I don't know exactly. But, uh, you know, and these are just some of the highlights, but I, I do want to kind of get into this a little bit. Um, total value of production uh, was $389 billion in 2017, which is a number I can't even fathom. But two-thirds of that 
um, came from farms making over $1 million or more. And that's depressing. That's big farms. And that tells you uh, exactly the state that our agricultural industry is moving towards in this country. And I'm sure by the time we see 2018 numbers and 2019 numbers, that number is just going to keep increasing. Yeah, it's kind of weird that it's so far behind. Because maybe it is a five-year survey. I don't maybe know. Maybe it is a five-year, but... Um, we should have done more research. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't say in here. I'm actually looking at it. Um, but, yeah, so next time they do this study, I mean, it's going to be even worse, obviously. Um, they did say that, uh, that uh, this was um, Joseph Glover, the senior research fellow, uh, that put this thing together, um, said that they had high levels of acreage in the 1980s, ended up putting away 20... 25 million to 30 million million acres into the conservation uh, reserve program that used to be farmland. That you you need to stop on. No, I was just thinking. No, I was just texting a friend or something. I'm just trying to think. If if you're a cattle rancher and you're making over a million dollars, you probably run anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 head of cows. Like that's the equivalent of like how many cows you would calves you would have to be selling that's not profit that's just your that's what you're your selling that, that's just cattle i mean this is obviously isn't broken down so i was just trying to think of like how big of a ranch that it would is. have to be to be able yeah. to do a, have a million dollar ranch yeah you have to have 1500 cows to have a million dollar ranch or maybe 1200 if the prices are good on good years you only need a thousand yeah exactly <laughs> so and the other thing that they talk about in this thing is the size of ranches and this kind of impressed me too so the average uh size of farms in 2017 was 441 acres. It was the average size farm. Well, because there's lots of places that you don't need 30 acres per cow-calf unit. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, They also did report that 96% of farms and ranches in the nation are family-owned. How much percentage? 96%. That's, oh, I don't so, believe that for a second. Well, I, I think that you can have a corporate farm that's yeah. family owned. You know, I mean, that's kind of a... a, a, a is that like... That's like a hidden... Yeah, so where, exactly what is that number coming from? Is that just from sole proprietorship owners? Like, or is that... Well, everybody has a family. That's what I think is weird. It's family owned. Well, yeah, okay, so... but No, 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 but... You can still be a corporation and be family owned. Yeah, so that's, yeah, what's the legal, what is that number actually really reporting? Um, Is it just reporting that only 4% of farms are sole proprietorships? Because if you put your stuff into an LLC, are you now a corporation? Mm -hmm. See, that's weird. Because, yeah, because almost everybody. Our ranch is an LLC, so it's still family owned. So it's a family owned corporation? Yeah, I don't know how they're... It's weird. And you, when you see studies like this, you don't know how they got their numbers and what they're... Yeah. Um, so the other the other interesting thing was uh, 273,000 small farms in the U.S., um, those are uh, 10 acres or less. Mm-hmm. Um, so that represents 0.1% of all farmland in the U.S., that, sure. that small, yeah, small to, acreage. I think to, be, to classify yourself as a farmer, you just have to have $1,000 of... Of farm income. In well, it probably depends on the state. No, I think that's federal. Oh, is that federal? Yeah, because to to file, I think a Schedule F on your taxes, which is farm agriculture. Um, yeah, I think you have to just have to have a thousand dollars. Really? Pretty sure. I mean, I'm not an I'm not an expert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I didn't know that. I do think I remember hearing that somewhere that yeah, it's you can call yourself a farmer if you have a thousand dollars of of income. Whether it's eggs or yeah. pig or cow, or, yeah, you could sell a few grass if you're selling, you know, hay. if you're selling, if you're well, if you're selling sod, technically you can be a farmer and be selling grass. Yeah, so some places like um, 
you have to have so much acreage to, um, you know, cons- for zoning purposes or whatever. But I think according to income taxes, if you have a thousand dollars of farm income, you're a farmer. Interesting. Or at least you're a part-time. You're a hobby farmer. They tried to classify Gilbert as a hobby farm once in a while. That was always fun. Yeah, well, that was because of uh, <laughs> mineral rights. He yeah. was making more money off his of minerals. His farm income yeah. compared to his uh, other income was uh, disproportionate. Right. So, they, yeah, I remember him complaining about that. They were trying to call me a hobby farmer. I'm like, well, Gilbert, really, I mean. You're, he was a hobby farmer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get out of the truck very often. but. Um, so, and then and then some other interesting numbers that are in here. 85,000 uh, large farms. Uh, of 2,000 or more acres make up 60% of total farmland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so then they, the farms making over a million dollars or above, uh, 76,000 farms in the U.S. making a million dollars or and another 1.56 million operations go, uh, under 50,000. So the, the numbers 50, are thousand. Yeah, Wait, yeah. There's no. There's nothing in between fifty thousand dollars and a million dollars. Well, I'm sure there is, but they don't give us those numbers. Jeez. Oh, um, but they did say that the total value of production was three hundred eighty-nine billion. Two thirds of that came from farms over making that were making a million or more. So those seventy-six thousand farms that make a million or more are making two thirds of, of the money. Yeah. So. I'm sure you can do some math there and figure it out. And also, this might interest you. Um, the average agriculture producer was 57.5 years old. And um, uh, the latest census also indicates 36% of all producers are female. Yeah, there's a lot of women that are producing. It's growing. It is growing. It's yeah, actually probably, it's growing I think it's one not, of, um, I think I've seen, and I, again, could be wrong, that um, like women in agriculture is like the strongest demographic that's growing. Like for women? Yeah, like men are not. I think there's more women entering agriculture than men. Huh, interesting. <coughs> Farmer's market, man. You think that's it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really like researched more. There's some lady out there that's working with cows and sheep going, farmer's market. Think about, though, our demographics at farmer's market. 90% 90 of my booths are run by women. Correct. And most of the... when there's guys around, they're usually for manual labor. And most husbands have... Manual labor jobs. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and that's just obviously we're a very blue-collar demographic in Campbell County um, with really good high-paying blue-collar type jobs with mineral industries. So, I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, most of my most of my vendors are women. I can only think, there's only a handful of guys. Yeah, there's not many. And their wives help them too. And there's kind of, there's there's funny, that, but at, at, at Farmer's Market, there is a guy click. There's, there's, there's like a group of guys that come together and do some farming and stuff like that. And so they kind of have their little union thing going yeah. on. Their farmer's <laughs> union. Yeah, I mean, most of us are Women. I mean, like thinking of my my farmers market board, I've got one guy on it. The rest yeah. are women. Yeah. So, I think small scale agricultural agricultural agriculture is uh, definitely where women are finding a place to to operate. Yeah, and there's a ton of you know there's a ton of lo- loans and things like that that yeah. you can get as a woman. And um, beginner farmer. Yeah. Yeah, beginning farmer loans and um, yeah, women. And veterans, too. There's some good mm-hmm. programs for veterans. And if you're a woman and you're a veteran, then you got it made. Oh, yeah. 
Not really. I mean, the government's not that helpful, but <laughs> are they ever that helpful? They, even the even the even the study they put out for us is more confusing than than what it is, and that's what you know. Like, I hate I don't like politics. Number one, but like you can always you can take a study like that and you can you can read it one way or you can read it like another way. See mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like you can read it as good, you can read it as bad. Yeah, that 96 percent of farms are family owned. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, I think I they've manipulated the data mm -hmm. to read that. Yeah, because if there's not that many. I don't know any farmer that's producing more than a million dollars. Not around here, no. <laughs> and so, if the if if the million dollar plus farmers are making up two thirds of the income and stuff, which I understand their income is substantially higher. I, I I mean, you're right; they could be family owned, but they're not family owned in the true sense of like what we think of as a family owned farm or ranch. Right. Where it's a father and a son, or you know, some sort of family unit that is running the farm from generation to generation on you know, a few hundred to a few thousand acres. Yeah, and if you took your 1,500 cows on a bad year to be able to make that million dollars, you need a ranch here in Campbell County that's over 50,000 acres. I don't know anybody that has a ranch. To be able to sustain that many cows. There's not many ranches in Campbell County maybe that are the that Dur big. Maybe the Durham Ranch, maybe. Uh, I don't even think the Durham Ranch is that big. I think the 4J Ranch or the Key Line Ranch might have been that big at one point. At but one I don't point. know if they still are or not. Um they're down here. The key line is now Billy Mankin's place, but uh, he owns part of that. He doesn't own all of it, though. No, no. And they might have been big big enough to do that at one point, but there's really not that many uh, in our county that are that the big. The Durham Ranch is huge, though. I mean, they're doing buffalo. Well, they oh. do some cows. Oh, and they're, what, 30,000 acres yeah, or something, something like that? that. They're I mean, big. But, Buffalo, but that's that's a corporate that's a corporate farm. It is a big corporate farm. The Durham farm. Ranch. Here. It is it is family owned though. It is family owned, but they are you know yeah but they're owned by a larger corporation. So Durham is a Buffalo Ranch that's here in our in our county, uh -huh. and they, they the company that owns them owns multiple Buffalo ranches throughout Nevada, Wyoming, and I think Utah or something. Yeah, I mean, they're so big. All their buffalo go to Nevada for finishing and processing. I guess I don't know for finishing. They all go to Nevada for processing. And they're sold, um, the meat is then sold through like Cisco, through big, huge food distributors. Right, so. and you can go here. They have a little store that you can go to and buy stuff here. Ironically, you do not ever buy Durham buffalo in the grocery store here, though. No. Now the school gets it though. They get buffalo. Yeah, through Cisco, like not from the farm, like no, not through from here. Cisco. It's funny, yeah, it goes all the way down to Nevada, then all the way back up, and then yeah. they, then our school system says, "Hey, we're serving local buffalo yeah. chili," which they do once a month. Fifteen hundred plus miles on and that it's buffalo. Traveled halfway across, yeah, halfway across the United States to get there. So, it's it's interesting that. I mean, we don't even know that that buffalo actually came from Campbell County, oh, no, like because no, they're processing. Else, yeah, it all gets mixed together. But, so, but the Durham Ranch is family owned, but they're definitely in that million dollar plus category. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so the other thing that I was that I that I looked at uh, when I was taking this this news aspect. Are you okay? Yeah. That was a weird thing <clears> you just had. I think the video wasn't rolling. Did you get a, like a bad sip of it's coffee a bitter, or something? Yeah. A bitter coffee. <laughs> uh, when we were, we were taking a look at this news thing for today, and um, I, I got to thinking like there's there's been some weird things that have come up in the news um, for agriculture. Okay. Just just weird goofy stuff. So okay. here's a go here, for here's it. Here's a story. Um, from July of last year, I think it was last year, uh, Teamsters in Oakland, uh, California, uh, protested Mills Colleges, so it's a college, they used goats to clear brush on their land. Mm -hmm. uh, a local union 
uh, had had a contract with the college, and the Teamsters uh, said that the college should either replace the goats with the union members to come mm-hmm. and come and, or they should try to unionize the goats. Okay. <laughs> so goats are much more efficient at brush clearing in a much more natural way than humans and weed whackers are. Yeah, and brush beaters <laughs> and everything else. I mean, yeah, I we don't have goats. Gilbert has had goats. We Gilbert had goats. Many, many. Did he have? Did well, he had like the goat that a he had? goat, like yeah. Gilligan. No, he had like a goat. I he thought didn't he had have more than goats. one at one time. No, he just had Gilligan. Gilligan was. The, uh, uh, they'd was, get roped. <laughs> he what? They'd rope him. <laughs> they'd rope him just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> did he like it? No. <laughs> you know, is this the same goat that ate Gilbert's seat off yeah. his four wheeler, and that was the end of him? Yeah, that was Gilligan. No, it wasn't. I don't think. I think he went down to the person that used to help here. I don't know. He like moved around. Like Gilligan was at all the ranches at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. I never met him, so. No, I I I never met him either. I just saw some. You've seen pictures of Gilligan. No, I never have. I never seen a picture of him. Oh, he was brown, like a brown billy goat. Okay. And he would headbutt things. I don't know. Oh. I never met him. It was before my time. Oh, I thought you said you did. No, no, no. I said I never met him. I've seen oh, pictures. You've seen pictures of him. I can't believe he's never saw pictures. No, I've never seen a picture of, of Gilligan. I knew, I knew that Gilbert, Gilbert told me about the goat. I don't think I ever knew its name. Either. I don't know where the goat came from. I should ask my mom, where did Gilligan come from and what happened to him? Because I don't really know. <laughs> um, we don't have brush, though, so I don't know where the I don't know how the goat fit into the stories of uh, the ranch. He probably wandered out of the property one day. Well, that, that kind of weird <laughs> stuff happened. Gilbert had um, a longhorn steer that showed up one Bummer. day. Bummer. Bummer. Uh, he. The story behind Bummer was that, uh, I think it was this out here, actually. I don't know uh, where. Gilbert said he went out in the field, and there's a calf laying out in the field. Yeah. And he got to look at it, and of course, it's a, it's a longhorn steer, which we don't have Not ours. at all. So he said, well, somebody must have dropped it off. He did check. I think he checked with the neighbors, said, did you guys lose a, a steer calf? And they were like, no. And nobody probably, around here really has longhorn steers. Probably jumped off a trailer. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> somebody dropped it off. So they bottle raised him. And then uh, Gilbert did tell me the story where they tried to um, remove his horns. Oh, they tried to dehorn him. <laughs> yeah, they tried to dehorn him, but they used dehorning paste. And apparently they didn't, they didn't do it right or it just doesn't work because then it just made his horns go all wonky. Yeah. So instead of having like normal longhorn steers, horns that just kind of go straight out and up or whatever they do, his were like... Curved. Uh, yeah, like like the devil. Like they were just all curved all over the place. And he was friendly. I mean, he was bottle raised. Oh, yeah, he was super else. friendly. He, did, he would swing his horns a little bit. He would, he would also um, flip lick barrels over. Mm-hmm. So he loved lick, right? And he learned how to flip them over so that he would just save the lick for himself. (laughs) So when he was done, he'd flip it back over. When he wanted more, he'd flip it back up the right way and no other cows could eat his... His lick. His lick barrel. Yeah, and he knew and, how to, he had a horn to do that. He'd yeah. stick his horn underneath the, the edge of the barrel and flip, and it. flip it around. And what does a lick barrel weigh? 250 pounds? 250 pounds, pounds full. Yeah. yeah. He had no problem. He no. Just, I, I washed it to it one time. He, yeah. And, and literally, like, Gilbert and I went up, we dropped off lick. Uh, this was at the North Ranch. And we dropped off lick. And I watched him go over and lick for a little bit. And then he just flipped it right over. Yep. He knew exactly what he was doing. He'd been doing it for years. That was his. He loved it. And he ate Oreos. He Gilbert would feed him Oreos. And that was spooky because like, he had these big horns. And he yeah. and Gilbert didn't get out of the truck to feed him Oreos. So he would walk up to the truck. And I think he took more mirrors off of trucks. <laughs> uh, he broke, uh, and especially like the newer trucks with all the, the fancy, oh, you know, yeah. you've got your turn signals in the mirror and you've got all the heat. and the. Did he break a mirror? Yeah, he broke he a mirror He would bump them a lot. He broke one off, of, or he didn't break it off of, but he 
bent it bent or it. did something to it. And uh, he was he was heck on 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 mirrors, but he wanted those Oreos. So. I do remember feeding Bummer and being scared, you know, and just trying to be like, I'm not a farm kid, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I can't pretend to be. I can't. It can't be a wuss. And and this is long before you and I came to the ranch and stuff. It was like that summer that I hung out on the ranch between college and and working and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was very very intimidated by Bummer because he's like the size of Cracker Jack, but with these. I don't horns. horns, yeah, and we actually still have his skulls, so we we have bummer. <laughs> we have bummer. <laughs> head, uh, kind of. But yeah, you know these massive curly, you know, disfigured horns. I should figure out something to do with that someday. It's just sitting out here. I know just... it needs to be cleaned up a little bit more. But you know, gosh, what three to four feet across was his span? At yeah, least I mean, three. Yeah. Oh yeah, more than three foot. Probably we should measure. We should it. measure it. Yeah. It's sticking out of the snow over here. I was actually looking at it today. Uh, yeah, and feeding him some bread or something and just being so scared and that big you know the first time you encounter a cow tongue that is like <laughs> it, it really is it's like no other experience like I was surprised by how large the tongue is and the first time you touch it it's like a cat's tongue like mm-hmm. maybe not quite as rough as a cat's tongue but very similar in texture and when they lick you trying to eat their bread and suck it into your whole hand into their mouth. <laughs> it's a little intimidating. That's one thing. Like when the kids go out and feed like Bambi uh, cake or whatever, you know, and like she takes like their entire hand <laughs> yeah. in her mouth. And, and I mean, that's just... how they know to feed her. So that's what Kenzie does. She like sticks her hand inside <laughs> inside of Bambi's mouth, then lets go of the cake, yeah. and then like it's like, you know, and it's like, coming off of there and. Bambi's Grace very... does it now too. She she learned how to because if you try to feed a cow a piece of cake and you hold it like a like you know with fingertips and you try to they'll just knock it out of your hand. Yeah. You know they don't they can't see what their tongue is doing. No, so they it's really just can't. flopping around. So it's really like you got so to shove, shove it in there. <laughs> and like the girls, yeah, they put their whole hand in the cow's <laughs> mouth and then let it go. And... Bambi's very gentle. She is. I know that like having a bottle bum calf like a heifer is. Very, you know, you don't ever want bums. Like, you don't make any money off of them. Milk replacer is expensive. But if you have heifers and they're not sets of twins and you can keep them, it offsets the cost. Bambi's a pain in the ass, right? But she is the <laughs> sweetest cow. And she's not old by any means, but she's five, six. She's five something. or six, yeah. Um, I think it's almost time. What I, I don't hope. I hope we never have bums. But if you have a bum, like I almost wish that we'd have a heifer so that we can just keep her as part of like the breeding cows. Right, and that's where they're gonna make. You know, you can't sell them. They don't make that much money. <sighs> no, no. Milk replacer is expensive. And it's very. So you have, when you have a bum calf, you basically have two options. You can sell that calf right away. I've seen bum calves going on Facebook for four hundred to four hundred fifty dollars. I'm mm-hmm. like, unless calf prices are high this fall, you are not making any money by unless you can buy heifers that are not twins. And you buy them for your breeding program, right? And that's what I was getting to. So, yeah. like, you can sell you can sell a, a bum calf right away, and you don't want to put all that milk replacer in. So you put an ad on Facebook or whatever, and somebody comes and buys it. And whatever they do with it, they may raise it to uh, to butcher. They may um, who knows? They maybe maybe they need... want a roping steer, or, or even if, you know if it's a, <laughs> a heifer, roping, maybe they want something. a roping Angus. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But, <laughs> what are you uh, going to do when that thing weighs? A... 1200 pounds and then you're gonna you're not gonna <laughs> rope it anymore it's gonna rope you and or, or so then the other option is you keep that calf and you feed it so yeah. you start putting milk replacer in it which costs 80 dollars for a 50 pound bag which will last you about a week or two well if you're just feeding one it lasts a little longer when you're feeding four of them then it goes downhill yeah, yeah. The, the price yeah so you've got you know all that money that you put into it and then you know then you sell it at auction if it's a steer yeah. or you sell it if it's a heifer too 
but you don't seem to make any money on that. I think it's you break even. Maybe, maybe yeah. you break if you don't count your time and everything else. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the worst thing about the the bum calves is you you're you're con- you're wrapped up in them. Yeah, like you can't do anything. Um, they have to they have to eat three or four times a day. You know. Well, you pretty quickly wean them to twice a day, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, they're still eating. Yeah. somebody has to feed them. Yeah, it's hard, um, and you it's a catch turn too. You hate to sell them, and I'm surprised that people are paying four hundred and four hundred and fifty dollars for a bum. Like I'd be like, I'll take it for a hundred bucks because we've I've, done the usually, bums. I've sold bums for two fifty usually. Yeah. I took one to auction one time um, that uh, we sold. It was just a little tiny cap. I actually took it to. Uh, the auction in a in a dog carrier, yeah. and we dropped it off. And I think I don't even know what I don't remember what somebody paid for it. A couple hundred bucks, yeah. you know, at auction. And then, uh, but you can sell locally too, mm-hmm. and, and do it that way. Yeah, Facebook four to four hundred fifty bucks. I was like, well, do you guys there know something that about have milk cows that'll buy yeah. buy bums? And if you have some milk cows, um, you know, a milk cow can very easily feed its calf and another calf, um, and so it's a quick way to kind of double your money. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I don't know. Just uh, Are calf prices going to be that high this fall that we can pay $450 maybe, for a bum? Uh, um, who knows? You know, I would be surprised if we in, get $1,000 for calves. I, remember, I mean, I hope. I remember when the price per pound went over a dollar, mm-hmm. and Gilbert got so excited that it was it was over a dollar a pound for a calf. So that makes one one calf's worth 600 bucks, maybe, if it's a 600-pound calf. Yeah, five to $600. Yeah. And now we're and essentially like back to that price. Gilbert was thrilled with that. It's a little better, but I mean, it's not much. But it wasn't uh, that long ago. Gosh, what, we had one year that we got between twelve hundred and fifteen hundred dollars. What year was that? Thirteen. Yeah, we. It was like it was almost three three bucks a pound, a little bit over. That three was bucks so a nice. Pound. Uh, and that was the year that we actually made money on the ranch, and we were able to do some things. And calf uh, check was nice. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to those days. We will. Trust me. No, we won't. Didn't we'll you just make a video about how farmers and ranchers are getting a less percentage well, every year? You know, and the, so <laughs> I, I, you know, we got uh, we got invited to speak at a agricultural expo next year in February, and um, one of the things they want us to talk about is the fact that you can't make money ranching unless you have to do something else. You have to have farmers markets. You have unless you unless you're one of those guys that's making a million dollars. Uh, you know, yeah, but 76. what are their expenses? Well, I mean, exactly. we don't. That doesn't mean it's a million dollars of profit either. Like, I don't think that those guys are doing any better than we are, unless you're in the multi-million-dollar range. Range. So, yeah, I would really be curious to see who's actually turning a profit and what percentage of profit you're turning. Even the big companies. Yeah, because I don't even think at a million dollars of income that you're turning much of a profit. How many hired hands do you have at a million dollars of income? It's true. Who knows? These are the parts. These are the things they leave out of this study. I'm sure they have that information. They just don't put it in. And if I got the entire study, I could probably read through this, you know, 500-page study oh, and geez. get all that information <laughs> out of it. But the article they put out, you know, basically gives you the, the key points. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's so they want us to speak about, um, you know, diversification. Like that yeah. you, and it depends where you're at. Obviously, if you're one of those places where you can get away with 400 acres, you know, and be able to make a living on 400 acres, that, you know, that may be great. You may, you know, but there is definitely, it's come to the point where you have to do something different. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's unfortunate that we're in this situation and it's not going to change overnight. I think this is going to have to be a generational and societal change to to support local farms. Like you talked about in your video, just even 10% of your income can create a thriving local um, 
agriculture economy. Not even 10% of your income, 10% of what you're spending on groceries. Yeah, your grocery budget, excuse me. So, um, but I think that's going to take a whole generational change for people to really, I understand farmer's market is inconvenient. I don't have a million percent get that. But we're working on ways to make it more convenient. Yes, but it's still inconvenient. So um, (laughs) I think it's ignorant to deny that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so until we really get the societal generational change, like I, 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 see a lot of comments of like it's we don't do it for the money and it's a way of life and i agree with that or like you need to diversify which is great what lincoln okay in a minute i'll help you play animal jam um but i think it's it's frustrating to have to make farmers to the only path to success right now, or like the easiest, it's not even easy. <laughs> the only path to some sort of financial success in agriculture right now is through a very intensive diversification, right? So, but if I, but it would still be better in a lot of ways if I went to town and got a job. Mm-hmm. And, and that's I, what you always hear, you know, the, behind every successful farmer or rancher is a wife that has a job in town. Yeah. And then we would have better health insurance. Um, you and I would have some health insurance. Our kids have coverage. We don't. Um, a steady income would be great. Working just 40 hours a week would be great. Like in the wintertime, I don't pretend that I work more than 40 hours. But um, in the summertime, there's lots of weeks where it's probably 80, 90, 100 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, it would be so much easier. Now, granted, I wouldn't get to see the kids as much. And even when I'm working crazy hours and you're working crazy hours, the kids are very much part of our, you know, those moments in between and stuff. And so I would lose a lot. But just to say that it's a way of life, like that is not a justification for not having money. Like <laughs> farmers and ranchers are going broke. I think that there is that. I, and we saw it on that last video where people would come. Well, it's a way of life. I'm tired of it. I still have to eat. You know, I still have to be able to to, to clothe your kids. Yeah, I mean, and and as much food as we we're produce. We're not homesteaders. We're not doing this all on our own on the land. We still have to go to Walmart occasionally. Well, and I still think homesteaders buy a lot of stuff at the grocery store too. So I mean, and that's yeah, that's a whole other topic. And and something that was brought up in a few comments on Sunday too was like how much what our budget our grocery budget should be. And well, you guys are you know you're not spending as much on groceries because you raise a lot of food. Um, I'm down to hamburger and chuck roast and big hams, which yes, sorry, our family can eat that, no produce. And we're not raising chickens. I didn't can a lot of produce last year because I sell a lot of it and, and all honesty get burnt out and don't want to take the time to can for our own family. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, our grocery bill right now is high in the summertime. I don't buy a lot of groceries, but our kids still like snacks and yogurt and I'll have a milk cow. And we drink almost a gallon of milk every day. Mm -hmm. I cannot milk a cow for what I pay in milk, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So the justification of, like, it's a way of life. Like, it's great. And we choose this way of life over other alternatives. But it is not a justification for not making money. No. So. Um, Speaking of which, actually, this really has nothing to do with anything. But here's another one of these crazy stories. Just because I can't. Hog farming fox family in... uh, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Mahasaka, Mahasaka <laughs> County in Iowa. Why didn't you just say in Iowa? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ten years has been selling uh, vials of boar semen for artificially inseminating cows. Recently expanded its operation to include a drive through window for farmers in a hurry. For semen? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. drive through window. Can you get a 12-pack while you're there, too? Um, you can probably, yeah, order a semen surprise. <laughs> 
Why not? I guess maybe maybe they took over like an old old McDonald's or something. And so we have weird. a drive-through. We got to figure out something to do with it. So, weird. so we might as well just have drive-through bowl semen. Way to make semen purchases more convenient. If you bring your cow with you, can you just knock it out right there? And be like, here's the cow. It's a pig, right? Or, pig I'm soup. sorry. Yeah, hog farming. Yeah. So bring your bring bring your sow with you. And, you know, just back her up to the drive through window and, and just, <laughs> just have a chute built. Get after it. Yeah, huh? Just take her right in there. Um, the other story that I have uh, for today actually does have to do with hogs again. Um, but uh, and I, I really didn't think about this too much. You know, we have we I've seen signs um, in subdivisions and stuff like that that say, um, you know, you live next door to a farm. You will see cows mating. You will, yeah. you know, and we have things. some city people behind us. We do. Too. We do have a subdivision that actually used to be part of the farm and now it's or part of the ranch, but now it's a subdivision. Um, and every state has a right to farm law on the books. And that what's that what that's there for is actually to protect farmers from being um, sued by subdivisions that move in and they say, oh, it stinks, you know, um, or, you know, they see a dead cow laying in a field or and noise or mooing yeah. or whatever else. And, you know, they when this first started happening, like there were subdivisions that were suing farmers. And yeah, they, so well, I bought land here and I need it to be quiet. I don't want your cows. Your tractor can't be out at four o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't do that when we're hand. It's always fun. Um, but this year, uh, the agriculture industry has been uh, pushing in several states to amend those laws um, that will effectively uh, prevent neighbors from suing farms at all over anything. Like okay. even massive industrial livestock corporations. Like, you know, it, it, right now, I think the law says that um, it's routine smells, routine mm -hmm. noises, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like our neighbors can't sue us over. Um, okay. You know, if I had a cow that died and I just put it over by the neighbor's fence and just left it there, you know, yeah. that's probably not routine. That's, I'm doing that to be an ass. <laughs> but um, um, our neighbors are actually pretty good. We've only had. Uh, a handful of, in, a handful I mean, like of a issues. couple of incidents in 10 years. So Yeah, uh, we'll talk about one of those in a second. What happened was it last year or the year before? Uh, but this, this whole thing is in response to uh, $157 million that was awarded to uh, farm neighbors in North Carolina who sued Smithfield Foods, who's, the, who's a big uh, pork mm -hmm. company. And uh, they sued them over air pollution. Yeah, I would manure particles and intense odors put out by large hog operations. I would sue Smithfield Farms too. Like that's not normal routine. That's ridiculous. And that's that's the transition of like small family agriculture to big corporate agriculture. And pigs stink worse than any. I know. Yeah. Our ten, our nine pigs that we did this year, that smell was atrocious. Like especially when it's wet. Like the cow manure made me gag in the composting video. Uh. The pigs is oh, and so if the wind's blowing the wrong direction, it's like oh, and we actually like, lucked out where we put the pigs because nine times out of ten you can't smell them at yeah. our house. You probably smell them at your mom's house, but like well, she never really says much. It depends how the wind's blowing and stuff. Right. But um, and I think pig manure like permeates clothing like worse than cow manure. and maybe we're just nose deaf to cow manure <laughs> maybe we could be I, I i go out in the spring and i'm like ooh, smells like a ranch yeah. you know that's the smell it, it's the smell of money it's no it's the a smell of manure yeah. it's the smell of poop um that's what it is but uh, it is what it is but one of the things that was interesting about this thing and uh, the people that are suing there's 26 lawsuits against this company uh 500 plaintiffs Oh, geez. How many people buy land next to this stupid farm? Well, and I think it's, yeah, I wonder, did they buy land next to the farm or did the farm 
move into the, you know, well, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, are, are they subdividing all the way up, you know, next to this? I mean, like, if, like one of, buffer zone? if one of our neighbors bought or sold and a big corporate farm came in, like, you know, that would be less than ideal, yeah, especially exactly. pigs. Um, so pigs yeah. do stink, man. I'm, I, I do, I agree with that to an extent. I, I think a, a reasonable family sized hog operation is different than thousands upon thousands. Have you seen the pools of manure that they collect from those hog farms? That's the, not the, normal the, the farming. The industry as a whole, from what I've been reading, is was it in Iowa or Ohio? I can't remember. But they said you'll be hard pressed to find a local pig producer yeah. because it has all been taken over yeah. by these large corporations who are. I mean, and they're humongous operations. Yeah. Uh, now there's legislators in Utah, Nebraska, Georgia, North Carolina, West Virginia, and Oklahoma, um, and it's, and they proposed, and in some cases it already passed. Uh, some of the legislation that will actually protect farmers against similar lawsuits. I don't know. Like if if we had a neighbor that that wanted to sue us because we had a smell that was out of the ordinary, I would want to take care of that too. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get sued because of smells, but I think where where is the line? And in the fine print, which we don't necessarily have right now, like what is the difference between? normal routine agricultural odor <laughs> and procedures compared to at what point at what point is it understandably offensive 5000 hogs on a couple of acres in you know barns and the waste that they produce that's not normal routine agriculture i'm sorry like i'm just going to say that corporate yeah. hog farming is not routine agriculture um, and the odor that it produces in such a intense small space is obnoxious <laughs> and these are bigger operations obviously yeah. i mean neighbors of large-scale animal farms um you know they have tens of thousands of animals yeah and this is the difference between small family agriculture and corporate agriculture and i don't think that we i, I don't think that corporate agriculture should be held they shouldn't get the same benefits that small family farmers right. get well and then they're also dealing with um you know uh smells obviously and, and some people are saying saying that their smells so powerful they can't even go outside in their yard like i, I, I mean, would believe that with, if you're next to a hog farm right i would i would believe that um they've got issues with polluted well water mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense and asthma from the dust that's, oh, sure. that's kicked up from from these animals and um you know, the, like I said, the agricultural industry and these, and when I say the agricultural industry, I'm talking about lobbyists and farm bureaus and stuff like that that are lobbyists. Mm -hmm. I mean, the farm bureau is a huge lobbyist. Um, they're they're really pushing for um, deregulation of air emissions from farms. Oh, really? So yeah, so you you know you're not you're not you know you're not liable mm -hmm. underneath that situation. And I'm not seeing, they're I also that... saying they're pushing that they're saying that runoff from farm manure should be deregulated as well. And I, no. I honestly, you, if, if they're, so they're saying you're, you're not responsible for the environment. Now, this is, you know, obviously we, we farm and we ranch, but, and I'm not really liberal, but at the same time, like our, our land is our land. Like you want to take care of it. This is basically giving these large corporations and large farms, uh, large scale animal farms permission to do whatever the hell they want to yeah, do. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, no, you should be, 
you should have to have environmental practices put in place to keep your air quality breathable. Mm. I mean, what if it's not breathable to us, it's not breathable to those animals either. And they're suffering. If humans are suffering from asthma, then so are those animals. And then the health of the animals is deteriorating, and that means more antibiotics. And uh, just this, it's bad. And then runoff is can be detrimental. Like, you're going to have people that are going to be sick mm-hmm. if they're playing in hog runoff water and and our so so what they're trying to say is like farm we're not responsible for that and i and i think that's wrong i think yeah, we are no, responsible, we are responsible for, that. for that um virginia west virginia actually their governor signed uh the state's right to farm bill into law on march 27th so one of them one state has already passed um saying that uh you know you can't sue over this kind of stuff and what's to stop big corporate farms from just dumping hog manure into rivers and oh yeah whoops yeah, I mean, are we going to go back to like the 80s where factories like, you know, just dumped everything into the rivers? Like, no, we need to be... Re- if if people are trying to legislate, regulate cow farts... <laughs> then we you know what my really... favorite part of the podcast or the, the live stream yesterday was? I said something about cow farts and somebody commented, I can't remember who it was, but said, said cows don't fart. We had Cody Creelman, the cow vet, with us yesterday and he popped in and he said cows do fart. They do I can fart. tell you they, yeah, fart, they fart a lot. And they burp a yeah. lot. So if we're... If if the cattle industry is threatened to be shut down because of methane emissions from cows, mm-hmm. then um, corporate farmers should not should have to handle their waste management in a socially uh, an environmentally responsible manner. And that should be the way that it is. Now, this this lawsuit, the five hundred seventy four million dollars um, against Murphy Brown, which is a subs, uh, subsidiary of Smithfield, mm-hmm. uh, the the plaintiffs said that the company's mismanagement of hog waste degraded their quality of life and reduced their property values. That was the main part of yeah, their Would you buy lawsuit. a house next to a, a I wouldn't. pig maybe, ship I, maybe, Like you said, maybe, we don't know when these people bought yeah. this and when this hog place moved in and all this other stuff. Um, but I, really, it is the producer's responsibility to... Now, so, the whole world's sue happy, of course. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if I have a cow that dies and, and you know, dies next to a fence and one of our neighbors has to smell it for a couple of days, tech, I mean, technically it could be like, you know, we're suing you for punitive damages because, you know, it was stinky. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, understandably, people are overly sensitive and sue happy, and, and there has to be some sort of fine line. Um, you know, I always joke that right outside our house is Pooh Lake in the yeah. spring with the thaw and stuff, and it really is. It's it's disgusting. It stinks. There's tons of manure. Um, but as soon as it dries up, you go out and you try and harrow, and once it does dry up, like, the smell does go away, but harrowing also helps break up that poo and gets through. Um, cow manure loses its odor rather quickly um, if it's broken up and once it dries. Um, and so it's, it, we try to be socially, resp- you know, environmentally responsible and, and conscious of our neighbors. Uh, but in all honesty, we're suffering the worst of it and it's not unbearable. Mm-hmm. But it's still like, I don't know. You just And that water doesn't run anywhere. Like that's the thing is like our little poo lake is self-contained. Yeah, I mean, worst, worst case scenario, it's, it's leaching back into our drinking water, I guess, but uh, we don't drink our well water, so. Well, I mean, I cook with it and stuff. Soil is a, an amazing filtration system. Mm-hmm. And so by the time it gets down into the aquifer, it has been filtered enough that no one has ever gotten sick from our well water. Um, but, you know, we do think about like where we're going to put the manure pile and stuff. And so that it's not 
causing a contaminated right. issue. And you have to think about yeah. that. Yeah, and if like Gary was ranching just down the road, like he is part of a, there's a, a natural creek that runs through his into a reservoir, and that reservoir, when it, this time of the year, that reservoir runs into another creek and stuff too. Like we would have to be much more conscientious about where we would place our manure and where we winter our cows if we were part of that water system. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything on the ranch is pretty self-contained. Other states that have uh, that have expanded their their right to farm laws to protect larger corporations uh, include Oklahoma, who signed it in on April 1st, and North Carolina also changed its law um, right after these cases went to jury. And their um, their veto or their sorry their uh, in 2017 and 2018, the legislature twice overrode the governor's veto to pass laws that capped the damages that plaintiffs could receive from nuisance suits and restricted the conditions in which plaintiffs can bring such a suit. So this is these are laws that are protecting, obviously, larger... Big agriculture. Big agriculture, because nobody's going to sue me, because if they sued me, they're not getting anything. I've got a firebird downstairs that's worth about five grand. You can have that. Um <laughs> I don't even know if it's worth five grand anymore. Actually, the, I, I had to go get tags for it because we lost the tags. Uh, the, the taxable value was 2000 2200 oh, yeah. bucks or something like that. So, yeah, good luck. Have fun with that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, these, these are laws to protect large corporations. And that's, you know, this is where they have the money. So they can hire the lawyers oh, to be and able the to lobbyists, do this. Yeah, yeah. the lo- lobbyists, lobbyists. Oh, I hate lobbyists. I hate. I don't even like the word anymore. There I don't even has... like going into a lobby anymore because it reminds <laughs> me of lobbyists. And somebody said, I went to uh, uh, the dentist. They said you're gonna have to wait in the lobby, and I was like, oh. There has to be a differentiation between small family agriculture and what that really actually means, and big corporate agriculture. And even if that big corporate Smithfield farm is owned by a family, Walmart's owned. Smithfields. Yeah. Walmart. Walmart is owned by the WalMarts. Yeah, or the Walls. One of them lives in Wyoming. I'm Mm -hmm. sure they're really nice people, but. it it that is different. I'm sorry, but Walmart that is, is still a family-owned business. Yeah, it's so different. That we go back to their our original story. Ninety-six percent of farms and ranches are family-owned, which is complete. I call BS. bull crap. Yeah, yeah, complete BS. All right, as we wrap things up, I got one more funny story for you. Okay, uh, I'm starving. I know you're starving. The Washington <laughs> Post uh, reported in March that last year the Department of Agriculture required I Iowa's Oink Oink Inc. to begin dyeing green its best-selling dog treats had to dye its dog treats green. Why? Uh, it's called, it was a pork tenderloin uh, treat, which was actually made of the penises of hogs. they got to do something with them, I guess. <laughs> and Oink Oink thought that the green dye would make the product unappealing and took a $100,000 loss uh, that enraged dog owners who loved the treat. They didn't like it green. like So the, <laughs> the Department of Agriculture made them dye it green because it's a dog treat. I guess I didn't want people to eat it. Eat it. Which makes more sense. Um, oh and, and that's that's the only reason that they wanted them to dye it green was so it would be obviously identified as not for human consumption, even though it has packaging that is made out of hogs, hog penises and intended for dogs. It's a dog treat, but they had to dye it green. And then uh, people stopped buying it. They didn't want to buy this dog treat anymore because now it's green. And... Uh, Probably the the publicity that they got out of it too. Okay, but, so um, so they totally lost all their sales on this on this silly dog treat. Okay, so was it hog penis intact or ground up hog penis pressed into a dog bone shape? I'm guessing it was pressed into a dog bone shape of some sort. 
doesn't really make it more appealing. Why does it have to be? Why did you bring it up? I don't know. <laughs> if it doesn't make it any more, it's, I, I either way, it's, about, it is what it is. I guess I don't really know what a hog penis looks like. I mean, <laughs> I I can imagine. Um, <laughs> we don't have... Google? Hey, Google. <laughs> you know, we don't breed pigs, so I've never... Uh, I With my own two eyes in real life, I've never seen pigs breed. Um it's got to be a sight. The first time I saw a duck penis, that is a sight. Google that if you've never seen that. <laughs> Slowly. It's like we had Blinken coming in with no pants on, and now we're on to a different story. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, and there's this whole movement towards, you know, do we really need artificial colors in our food? Like, we don't. No, that dog treat didn't need to be dyed green. If you want to eat it. It needed to be dyed green because people were buying it and eating it. No, no, no. This happened. Okay. This had to happen. If the Department of Agriculture said you need to dye that thing green, somebody wrote the Department of Agriculture said I went to the store and bought these things, even though they're shaped like dog bones, and had them for dinner, and they're okay, disgusting. Okay, but skittles are green. I mean, we eat green food. Well, Lettuce is green. green yeah. I Maybe I don't know. Maybe you just it's, packaging. So I feel for this packaging. company that they they should not have been forced to put an artificial dye into their food, and dog owners should be able to buy. You should be able to buy natural. I would rather buy natural ground, hog penises. Yeah, I would rather buy that than um, you know a cornmeal type soy dog treat. Okay, right? If I want to feed my dog meat, I mean, I don't necessarily need to feed Lexi penis, but you know, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> oh, downhill. But fly. then a corn. I mean, so the dog food industry. A lot of people are saying that they do not want this. You know, these heavily grained treats, processed mm-hmm. treats, and stuff. If you're going to feed an all-meat product, like, it doesn't need to be green. The government has no right to do that. And I'm sorry, if you ate pig penis and you got sick, like, you deserve to go to the hospital. Like This is horrible. <laughs> what did you make for dinner, Mom? Well, it's pig penis shaped like a dog bone, and I found it at the grocery store in the dog food aisle, and I just thought I'd throw it up for dinner. So many things wrong we, uh, with this The situation. girls, really quick before we wrap things up, the girls and I were at Thar's uh, not too long ago, and they have dog treats at Thar's. Thar's is our local feed store. And they have uh, pig's ears. Yep. Which are pig's, pig's ears. ears. They've literally. been like dried. They've been dried and they're yeah, they're like really hard. Been and roasted or so. I, don't I don't know how they do that. But uh, Mackenzie saw them and she was like, "What is that?" Because she knows what pigs are. She knows what pigs look like. And she was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "That's a pig's ear." And she was, "Who would eat?" And she said, "She's she's eight. <laughs> she might have been seven at the time." Um, but she was like, "Why would we eat a pig's ear?" And I said, "No, it's a dog treat." <laughs> And you can also said, buy oh, hooves. It's a dog treat. I don't need to eat that. Yeah. I mean, all of our kids have eaten dog food. I remember <laughs> when they became mobile and could get into the dog food. And um, Grace also ate cat poo out of the litter box one time, too. Oh, great. I mean, she just, did. Just tell the whole world. Uh, yeah, I mean, it happened. And we always had baby gates up so they could not get into the litter. But it was inevitable that, you know, that one time that you forget to, like, lock the gate and you just close the gate. And they figured out how to unlock the gate or open the gate. And you were not aware of this, that this had happened in their developmental stage of life. And, uh, yeah, she ate some cat poop. I mean, I, I don't think she ate very much. Cause was it, it green? She had litter in her teeth. Oh, <laughs> it was so gross. <laughs> she had teeth at the time? Oh, maybe in her mouth. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. But I say she um, had teeth at the time. She's a little. She well, they get teeth at nine by, months old. Well, she should know better by nine months old that the cat litter box is icky. Yeah, but you know they learn how to walk and they and they become mobile and and for little tiny short people they move really fast <laughs> <laughs> when mom's on the phone or you know somewhat distract. You know, you know every parent's had that that happen where all of a sudden the the baby that a, a day ago did not move all of a sudden is 
gone. Mm. All right. That's it for today. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us and uh, be sure to enjoy your hog penis, whether it's green or not. We will meet, see you again next time. Your hog penis is green. Like maybe call Cody Krillman. <laughs> we'll be back next Friday with another podcast. In the meantime, uh, you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook under Our Wyoming Life. Of course, YouTube. We have a new video coming out this weekend where we're going to meet calf number two. Yeah, and pictures going up on Instagram as soon as I go eat. Starving. Yeah, Aaron is starving. So thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Beyond the Ranch. Aaron and Mike bring you into their world. It's not just chickens and the Angus herd. So take off your boots, relax, and go beyond the ranch.